2: Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. Coming up, a Roland Martin non on the Black Star Network. The economy and black folks. As our economy recovers, black men still are being left behind. According to a new recent report by the Center for American Progress, black men continue to experience consistent unemployment gaps. And, of course, uh... Lack of economic opportunities will break this whole thing down and explain what's going on. Vice President Kamala Harris announces improvements uh, to a pilot program to help underserved entrepreneurs. An investigative report calls a South Carolina zip code one of the most medically dangerous communities in the South will have that both of those reporters to talk about why so many black people in Columbia, South Carolina, are getting their limbs amputated at an alarming rate. The leadership of a town in New Jersey accused of paying off a whistleblower who allegedly recorded town leaders making racist remarks about black people. An Art Exhibit. is uplifting the black man at the Reginald F. Lewis Museum of Maryland, Uh, African American History and Culture. We'll talk with the executive director of the museum about the Men of Change Exhibit. Plus, today's Marketplace segment, uh, a husband and what, sorry, our tech talk segment. A husband and wife, uh, of course, uh, they created an adult cooking app depicting the black experience. Mm, Quite interesting. It's time to bring the funk a Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. The Center for American Progress recently released a report confirming that discrimination negatively affects black men despite claims of national economic recovery. Unemployment for black men, folks, is at 6.4%. That's double that of white men at 3%. Yeah, more than 400,000 black men would be employed monthly if they had the same unemployment rates as white men. Last year, one in five black men worked front-line jobs exposing families to COVID. Let's talk about this with Rose Kalara, Associate Director Rapid Response and Analysis for the Center for American Progress, based in D.C. Rose, glad to have you here. And so, okay, so, we're, so, so we have this gap. We know historically we have had this gap. And so the question is, how do policymakers address it, especially when you have a lot of people, namely Republicans, who say, oh, no, systemic racism, it doesn't exist.
5: I mean, I I find it hard to believe that anyone can look at the data and say that systemic racism doesn't exist. Like you said, consistently, since the data's been collected, black men had twice the unemployment rate of white men, and that is just absolutely not acceptable. And so the statistics from the last couple of months are no different to what we've seen since we've collected data on this issue.
0: So...
2: Um, In what areas is it it most pronounced?
5: So, essentially, when we talk about the unemployment rate, we're talking about the overall economy. But I do think there is one thing in particular where we should really be focusing on is, for the black men who are working, they're overwhelmingly concentrated in low-wage jobs, jobs that tend to be frontline jobs as well, so they've been exposed to some health risks during the pandemic, but even irrespective of the pandemic, these jobs have been low-wage jobs, jobs without access to benefits, so they wouldn't be classified as high-quality jobs. Even for the Black men who manage to find a job, those jobs tend not to be good-quality jobs.
2: And so, um, you know, with this gap, obviously, if it's impacting Black men this way, it's impacting Black families and Black children uh, and, and their, of course, their partners or spouses.
5: Absolutely. You know, the consistently high unemployment rates amongst black men, as well as the economic opportunity that black men experience, of course, will also affect, you know, their children, their partners and the broader community. Also, it's very important to note that black women also experience economic insecurity as well as um, disproportionate um, higher unemployment rates as well in the labor market, too. So it's just not something that affects black men. It also affects black women. And taken together, this has really catastrophic impacts for the black community.
2: This is one of the things that I often talk about with uh, Reverend Dr. William Barber and the Poor People's Campaign, uh, why they are pressing uh, President Biden and Congress to deal with uh, the impact of the working poor. Uh, And this is really in line with their work.
5: Absolutely. I think you're right. There's there is this like missing concept of the working poor. I think people tend to expect that once someone has a job, that's it. That's great news. When that's actually not true, it really matters the types of jobs that people can access. And we know historically and today, black workers tend to access low quality jobs. And so there's a very easy solution to that. We need to lift up the quality of all jobs, especially jobs where black workers are concentrated in.
2: Um, And one of the things that we've we've constantly talked about that part of the issue is how how this country has shifted uh, really to so much uh, with jobs that um, that are driven by technology or finance. Uh, Very few people are. Uh, really working with their hands when you begin to talk about industrial jobs. What also plays into this uh, is when black men and black people are shut out of trade unions and not being able to get those kind of jobs as well. We're about to spend $660 billion after the, with the infrastructure bill, uh, and I specifically as have said to Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg Uh, said again today to the Senate Democratic leadership when they had an African-American media roundtable that they've got to ensure that those billions also go to black businesses who are more than likely going to employ black people.
5: That's absolutely correct. We have to very much diversify the makeup of high-quality jobs that exist today. There is money out there for workforce development strategies that are intended to make sure that black men and black women can access some of these jobs. And I think that is such a crucial thing to not forget. It's not just about lifting the quality of low-wage jobs. it's also about making sure Black men and Black women can access jobs that we already know are high-quality jobs. And those are basically going to be the jobs of the future.
2: All right, Rose Kalar, Well, the Center for American Progress. We certainly appreciate you joining us. Thank you so very much.
5: Thank you. I want
2: to bring my panel, A. Scott Bolden, former chair of National Bar Association, Political Action Committee. Robert Patillo, executive director of Rainbow Push Coalition, Peach Tree Street Project, Monique Presley, legal analyst, Crisis Manager. Glad to have all three of you here. I'll start uh, with you, Robert, uh, on this issue. When we're talking about economics of black men. Um, you know, look, this is what uh, uh, the Rainbow Push, uh, uh, Reverend Jackson, has, has long uh, dealt with. When you talk about um, well-paid jobs, again today, uh, this morning, uh, you had about t- about 15 or 20 Democratic senators. Uh, who met with uh, uh, about 20 or so uh, black journalists and members of the black-owned media. And, um, you know, folks were talking about voting rights. They were talking about, you know, other different issues. Uh, I was like, let's get to the money. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, let's deal with the money. And when we began to challenge folks on the money, yesterday, President Joe Biden, uh, they put forth their, their defense budget. $31 $31 billion more than what the Department of Defense got last year. This is what Reverend Barber's also been saying. I'm sorry, didn't we just do a 10-year defense bill that we're getting by $700 billion a year? I mean, at what point are we going to recognize that if you do not deal with your workers, then you're not going to have a country to defend
6: well, Ronnie you're right. And even Dr. King said the next struggle in the civil rights movement is the struggle for economic justice and economic, economic opportunity. It's not enough simply to take the boot of Jim Crow off the necks of the African-American community. We have to lift them up economically in order to be able to compete uh, in this 21st century. And to that, your point about the, the defense spending bill, it uh, went from $765 billion that they uh, passed last week, now it's going to be $813 billion next year. Uh, that. We have to remember that if you take in the real cost and real contracting expenses, we're looking at over a trillion dollars in defense spending. This is this is high... Uh, this is multinational money laundering. That's what they're doing. You give Ukraine $14 billion, you tell them they can only buy weapons from America, and then you funnel that money back to the American companies, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Boeing, so on and so forth, and then the, you ask the taxpayer for more money to do the whole thing again. So you are encouraging perpetual war. And the only way, ways that African Americans benefit from this is by being servicemen and women. What we have to do is create the pipelines to economic opportunity, create those causeways, because even we're going to talk about the NFL issue later on. It's about having that pipeline from elementary school into the, uh, the C-suite, elementary school, high school, not simply into vocational education. But I want I want my share of those military contracting dollars. Why aren't HBCUs being cut in to the research and development dollars that DARPA is putting out there that are going to MIT and Stanford and many of, the, many of these other institutions? What do we need to do to make sure that African-Americans can get into the leadership positions and uh, federal uh, and federal programs, many of these six and uh, six-figure jobs that are out there, that if you look at the the people making those, they are almost predominantly or almost totally uh, not African American. So there are various ways that the federal government can address these issues. Uh, one is to address the uh, educational issues at the K through 12 level. that are not preparing uh, students to compete for the jobs of the future. And also we have to address the prison industrial complex, where we're jailing more black men than we are. Uh, we're spending more money to jail black men than we're spending to educate them. So we need a whole holistic approach across the board and tell somebody takes this bull by the horns and really makes it a priority issue, then we're going to continue to spin our wheels going forward.
2: Uh, it always amazes me, Scott, when the issue of the Pentagon and the budget comes up, no one ever says, how are we going to pay for it? Can we get a CBO score on that? No, it's like, okay, sure. How many more billions? Yet, when you begin to talk about people, American workers, the working poor, oh, I, I, I don't really know if we can afford that.
0: <laughs> well, well, the idea for Republicans and Democrats when it comes to the safety and security of America is rooted in the fact that the more money we give the military, the more we will be training black, white, yellow, and brown folks who are in the military a skill set, and that that justifies, arguably... Uh, well, not only our American security and personal safety, but also you can join the military and be trained. But there's another issue here, and I I don't think we're going to disagree, is that when we talk about these numbers of black men being less employed or employable than white men, then you can't talk about that gap without talking about dollars to be spent on jobs, job training, entrepreneurship training, so that our community of black men and our communities of color are prepared. We take away the excuse that why we can't... We aren't hireable by saying, not only are we trained and tested, we're ready, we need that opportunity, because our critics will always say, well, most of you, your, your community are either in jail or untrained or dropped out, dropped out of school and what have you, we got to take that negative narrative away. And no matter what systemic racism says, we still got to be prepared. If we're part of the least lost and left out, we still have to be prepared. And counseling our young men to stay prepared, no matter how difficult it gets, or to have dollars behind it.
2: You know, it's always interesting, uh, Monique, when uh, I start talking about the money. And uh, I'll have black folks... Uh, man, uh, why are you always bringing that stuff up? This is America. If you don't talk about the money, then <laughs> you're having the wrong damn conversation. And when we're talking about this underemployment of black men, the underemployment of black men and black women and black youth has a direct impact on one of the reasons why we're broke, we're poor, why we can't be able to afford homes, send our kids to schools, uh, and so it's not even a question of oh intellect or skill set. It's literally being f- still frozen out of sectors uh, that exist, and so there has to be a completely uh, uh, a different view, frankly, in this country in terms of how we are going to employ people and deal with wages. There's so many we talk about outsourcing things along those lines. You know, I've said I've said for years, we made a grave mistake when we got rid of technical uh, training out of our school system because mm-hmm. what that did was it, it limited the opportunities of people who may not go to a four-year institution, who may not go to a two-year institution, but can still be able to get a very good job, be able to raise their family, be able to buy goods and services, get a home and send their kids to college. That's really how we were able to grow the Black middle class, uh, looking at those manufacturing jobs, uh, even during the period of Jim Crow?
7: The types of questions that you are asking are the ones that we have been conditioned to not ask we are supposed to be grateful for whatever it is we get. If we have a job, we're supposed to be grateful for the job. We're not supposed to demand more pay, let alone equal pay. If we have um, an opportunity to own houses, we're not supposed to complain about redlining. We're not supposed to complain about the manner in which our school districts are in the areas where we have housing. If we are being disproportionately uh, mistreated in any area, then the whole notion that has been ingrained in generations until we got to this one is a false sense of gratitude, where because we had nothing, we are supposed to be thank.
2: All, right. All right. Looks like uh, Monique froze. Uh, looks like Monique froze. That's
7: what has to change.
2: Okay, she's back. All right. You froze about twenty seconds. So why don't you finish the end of what you were saying?
7: Am I, am I unfrozen? Huh? Am I unfrozen?
2: You're unfrozen. Go ahead.
7: Oh, great. I was saying, the whole notion of us being offered something that is subpar, the notion of us being given something that is not equitable, that is not fair, but we're supposed to be grateful for it. That is conditioning over time, and that is the very thing. As you just said, when you ask about the money, people get uncomfortable because they don't want us to get frozen out of an entire system. Uh, when, for real, we the only way we get more is if we demand it, and everybody knows that.
2: Well, again, uh, let's just be real clear. Uh, I will always talk about the money because that's one of the things we don't talk enough about. And so hopefully, uh, folks, hopefully you're going to be joining us on June 18th. We will be in the nation's capital standing with the Poor People's Campaign Repairs of the Brief, Reverend Dr. William Barber uh, for their uh, big event on that particular day, driving that economic agenda. That will be, of course, on June 18th. We'll be broadcasting it live on that day uh, as well. So, uh, folks, coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, this uh, disturbing story out of South Carolina uh, where... Um, the number of black people who are losing their limbs when they really shouldn't be. What, what's going on in that particular state and the health care of our folks? We'll be discussing that next with reporters, two reporters who actually um, uh, wrote this story, which is actually a really a shocking and stunning uh, story. Also, folks, don't forget... We want you to support us. Download the Black Star Network app on all available platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Xbox One, Samsung, Smart TV. You can also support us by Bring the Funk Fan Club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing uh, a minimum of 50 bucks each, $4.19 a month, $0.13 cents a day. Uh, and that course allows us to be able to cover the stories all across this country, especially with the lecture season coming up. Uh, a lot of you who do not like uh, technology, y'all old school, we got you. you if you want to send your check or money order, P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is Roland at RolandSMartin.com. rolling at unfiltered.com. I'll be right back.
4: And you ever want to do a soap opera? I did it before Another World. I did it years ago uh-huh. with uh, Joe Morton, Morgan Freeman. Called Another World. It's the funk now. But that's how I started in TV. You? My first job. You? My very first Joe, TV job.
2: Joe Morton and Morgan Freeman were on a soap
4: opera? Together. Yes. Wow. I know. Oh, I loved it. I played a prostitute. I was real raw. I, my name was Lily Mason. I was I was a hoe on Tuesday, and then I owned a town two weeks later. <laughs> that's, that's how they do you. Right. That's how you soap opera. You evolve. Right. Yeah. So now I'm on this, but I'm rich right from Jump Street. (laughs) So I'm loving it.
2: your seat at the black tape
0: with me dr Greg Carr here on the black star Network every week we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in join the conversation
2: only on the black star Network
8: hi I doing it. it's your favorite funny girl Amanda
2: South Carolina zip code is listed as one of the most medically dangerous communities in the Deep South as diabetic amputations continue to rise across the nation. Look at this uh, map here, folks. Approximately 10 of every 10,000 residents in the 29208 zip code received a lower limb amputation Mm. due to damage from diabetes between 2016-2020. That topped the amputation rates of zip codes in Charleston, Atlanta, Montgomery, and Jackson, Mississippi. So what the hell is going on? Investigative journalist Andrew Kaplan, Gina Smith, they wrote the story called Cut Off For The State.com, highlighting these numbers. They join us now from Gainesville, Florida, and Columbia, South Carolina. Either one of you start, what the hell is happening in this zip code?
9: Well, it's great to be with you, Roland. Thank you so much for having us and, and uh, putting a spotlight on this really important issue. It, you know, it really started um, about a decade ago with a, a rumor that's been around uh, South Carolina that this one zip code had the highest diabetic amputation rate in the nation, is what we had often heard. Uh, but nobody knew for sure if that was true. Nobody knew if that was a verified number. And about two years ago, my uh, my boss at the newspaper was having uh, a meeting with um, an official at the hospital here in Columbia. And that hospital official mentioned to my boss that you know we do have really high diabetic amputation rates in this zip code, and so my boss came back to uh to the office and said we really need to look into this. What is going on and why? And so that started us on our journey. Uh, it took us about two years to to crunch the data and to uh, to really work on this story to highlight the uh, the health disparities and the problems that are happening in in two nine two zero
2: three. Wait wait wait. It took y'all two years, Andrew.
10: Yes, um, there was actually many hands on this one. Um, I know I spent probably a year of my life in Columbia just crunching the numbers and trying to figure out what the issues were. Um, it started before me uh, as as Gina stated, you know this was an idea that started a few years ago. Um, we had uh, some reporters that were digging on the issue then. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's not easily accessible data. And, and the surgeons that we spoke to, um, when we brought up the issue to them as well, they, they tried to find the data and it wasn't, it's just not easily accessible.
2: Um, here's one of the things, uh, Gina, that people don't understand. And, and I'm always trying to explain to people this. Uh, I love these people who who hit me on Twitter and they hit me on social media. You should investigate this. And I keep telling them, do you have any idea what investigative journalism is? And one of the problems that we have right now in this country, uh, as in terms of where we are in media, the massive cutbacks uh, have prevented many uh, newspapers and digital outlets from having real investigative journalism because of the time it takes to be able to do to do uh, these stories here. You talked about having uh, it, to crunch the numbers. So what was it? Were they not gathered in one place? Uh, w- were they being um, mislabeled? Uh, what really was um, uh, the biggest reason why you had to go through this maze to, to determine exactly what was going on?
10: Well, uh, each... There, there's these codes, right? There, there's codes for every, um, every procedure. So it's a, it's a matter of getting the accurate code and sending it to the correct agency within each state really to, to get it, and then double checking their numbers with other numbers. To, so one issue that we had several times was that um, they gave us, we were given numbers that, uh, or a data set that was incomplete or uh, one was astronomical compared to another one. Uh, so you really have to clean it up and then basically go back to them and check saying, hey, did, are, are you sure that you're not counting um, patients multiple times? You know, maybe they lose two toes, right? So it's not two patients, it's it's one patient. So we wanted to make sure that we got individuals counted. Um, it's just a lot of that, really. Uh, <laughs> and, and going through states and filing records requests and um it's it's very time consuming
2: so gina I'm, I'm trying to understand why the amputations because what your story lays out uh is that you don't have the same number of amputations elsewhere is it healthcare? is it just oh is it just easier just to go ahead and get these people in and out
9: yeah, what our story found was um, this one zip code. It's it's just a, a layering effect of, of problems that um, you see in a lot of communities uh, across the United States, uh, particularly communities where a lot of people of color are living. You know, this is an area that is a food desert. It is a very big zip code where you have nearly 41,000 people live. There are four grocery stores in that entire zip code, Roland, and those four, two of them might as well not exist because they're tucked in the northeast corner of the zip code. Um, so a lot of residents, you know, they a lot of our, the residents rely on public transportation. You know, they can't access those grocery stores very easily. So access to... Produce is very difficult for so many residents. Uh, it's things like there aren't that many primary care physicians working in this zip code. So if you're a diabetic, you know you don't have um, access to physicians to help you manage your disease. You may not even have an access access to a physician to even know that you're diabetic. Uh, It's things like South Carolina is one of a handful of states that refused to expand Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act about a decade ago. In fact, South Carolina instead uh, chose to make some cuts during the Great Recession. And one of the cuts they made, they decided to cut uh, uh, visits to podiatrists. So lots of folks who need to go to podiatrists to help them look and in their legs, uh, they they don't have access to podiatrists now. South Carolina has recently added those visits back, uh, but you know, for many years, uh, if you were you know a Medicaid recipient, you could not go to see a podiatrist in South Carolina. We still have not expanded Medicaid here in South Carolina, so there are a, an estimate a hundred thousand people who are in insurance coverage gap in South Carolina that have no insurance. Uh, who knows how many of those folks are diabetics who are in danger of getting amputations? It's it's just a, a layering effect of those sort of things.
2: Th- that right there, Andrew, I think um, shows, and people need to understand, I always say on this show why elections matter. And the shameful Republican leaders in South Carolina, what they did, and we we're talking about a state that already gets a significant amount of money of its budget from the federal government. And if you're unwilling to take care of people, uh, then if you're amputating folks, now their lives are becoming even harder and even more difficult. So you're just sitting here going, what, what the hell? What did the politicians say when y'all reached out to them, the state leaders of South Carolina, with these numbers, do they even care?
10: I will say we we try to steer clear of a lot of the politicians in this story, uh, but there there were some in particular that uh, represent two nine two zero three that are aware of the statistics and are doing um, work in the communities. Um, uh, one in particular uh, is a member of the Antioch Baptist Church, which has a senior sen- senior program uh, where they try to educate people on um healthy healthier uh eating habits and uh exercise and and they bring nutrition nutritionists in there um uh sadly uh this this representative told me uh that they actually had one of their members actually die um shortly after an amputation so uh some some of them uh, at least in the two nine two three area are very aware of it and they're trying to but i think limited resources. And uh, the one thing that we kept hearing over and over is just the need for uh, more partnerships, more people to do it. It's one one group can't solve this problem alone.
2: Uh, and, and so, uh, well, again, I would hope policymakers actually will say something. Um, I'm going to go to each one of my panelists, give them an opportunity to ask a question. I'll start with uh, A. Scott Bolden.
0: Hi, thank you uh, for your study. Uh, My whole family has had type 2 diabetes, and uh, my brother-in-law has it now. And I think you're right about the continuum of issues, whether it's lack of access to health care, not dieting the right way, having a healthy diet, living in a food desert. What's the solution, though, in this area? Because I've read most of your report. It's excellent reporting does a good job at laying out all the factors that contribute to these high number of amputees, including within five years of you getting an amputation, um, you know, you, you're you likely to die. You know, if you don't take care of your diet and you don't have access to health care and you don't manage that diabetes, uh, it's a it's a killer disease. You know, it's not a silent killer. It, it's it, it takes time, but it'll get there. But, you know, neuropathy, for example, which is a symptom, if you don't feel that limb and you get cut or you get bit by a spider, for example, that can be a major health issue because you don't get it addressed. And so what, what are the answers to changing this high amputee uh, ratio in this South Carolina community? Uh, and have you shared those recommendations with health health experts as well as elected officials?
9: I would say, yeah, wonderful question, and and I would say two things. Um, number one, vascular surgeons. Um, we absolutely yeah. need more vascular surgeons who can revascularize legs and save limbs versus amputating. And and one of our primary uh, sources in the story uh, is a, a man named Dr. Dan Clare who uh, started the vascular surgery program at Prisma Hospital, the hospital in the zip code. And something he said that was just astounding to me that he even said it to us on the record because y'all know doctors don't usually like to tattle on other doctors, right? Uh, Right off the bat, Dr. Clear told us when he arrived in Columbia, South Carolina in 2016, he was amazed at how few doctors in the area could do revascularization procedures. That uh, he was meeting with general surgeons and others who were doing amputations when they could be revascularizing yeah. legs. Uh, yep. Andrew and I have often talked about how sad that people were losing limbs who could have had their limbs, their mobility, and their lives saved. Um, So, one of the solutions is, how do we get more vascular surgeons to this area? Um, The hospital, to their credit, is very much dedicated to recruiting more vascular surgeons. Uh, They were on a good roll. They're currently down to just two. Um, So, there's some work to be done there, and I know they really are dedicated to doing that. The second thing that the hospital is also really leading the effort on is a really grassroots starting in the community. You know, it's educating about the dangers of diabetes. It's doing um, screenings in in churches uh, in between services, right? They're working in elementary schools, um, doing curriculum about uh, nutrition and providing support at home Uh, They've been working with the city to find out why don't seniors exercise more in 29203. One of the things they've discovered uh, from talking to seniors is that there are a lot of stray dogs that were keeping a lot of seniors from getting out and exercising. And so that's led to uh, some additional animal control efforts uh, to, to get those dogs out of there and so seniors can can enjoy their their afternoon walks so. Uh, there is a belief right now that there needs to be more of that, and, but the hospital says we cannot do this alone. You know, we need more entities to to hold hands and to to join the fight so we can yep. we can stop this crisis.
2: Next question, uh, Monique.
9: What
7: involvement has there been on the federal level, and is there anything specifically that they could do, um, in addition to the things that you mentioned, that can be done on the state and the regional level?
10: On on the federal level, um, I don't think much. <laughs> uh, sadly, um, <clears throat> I I mean, we talked about South Carolina is not. It's it's one of the handful of states that don't have uh, Medicaid expansion, right? So that was something that was an option for us, and for whatever reason, South Carolina chose to scale back its its coverage by reducing the podiatrist visits. Um, yeah, but on, on the on the state level, I mean, there's 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 funding for for some of these centers that uh, that treat. Um, diabetics and, and uninsured patients. There's um, grants that go out to certain groups, but um, sadly, I think I think that's all really all all we had.
7: Have the two senators from South Carolina weighed in? Either of them?
10: No, we have not. We have not talked to them.
2: Is that the next um, uh, part of your reporting? And that is to see what folks are going to actually do about it. So you've spirited the problem, but how are they going to try to fix it if they actually care to fix it?
9: Yeah, I think that may be where our reporting goes next. You know, what, what are the next steps to, to solve this problem? Who's willing to, to take the next steps? Um, that would be terrific to see if, if there were more efforts to, to help 29203 because uh, it really needs it and residents deserve it.
6: Robert, your question. Well, thank you guys so much for all the work you've done thus far. And this is things are endemic not just in South Carolina, but throughout the, uh, the South and Black communities in general. What can we do to address the cultural issues around these? Um, uh, often in Black communities, uh, in poorer communities, you know, you don't see uh, health food stores not simply because of food deserts, but because they're not profitable, because people don't go to them. Um, there's a, uh, you know, there's still very much a social stigma around being a vegetarian or being a vegan. Um, you see the entire body positivity movement. Movement. there's a new reality show Lizzo, one for the big girls, but they don't talk about the long-term effects of that where you might end up getting your foot cut off later on in life. How can we address these cultural issues while also being sensitive to people's um, feelings and emotions to not feel like they're being attacked?
9: Oh, man, that is a tough one. That is a tough one. I guess a lot of it is is education, right? I mean, a lot of it starting at the, you know, the grassroots level, too, you know. Um, Is it messages at churches? Is it, you know, messages uh, at home? Things like that, that uh, maybe um, you don't get through TV, you know, that help counter that. Messages through school. Like I said, um, the hospital is doing a lot of partnering with the school system to try to to catch kids early and teach nutrition. But, I mean, you all know part of Southern culture, too, is, um, you know, we all love we all love that food. It is it's awfully hard to change those eating habits. It really is. But you you make a wonderful point that uh, this is not uh, a, a a situation that's unique to two nine two zero three. It's not even a situation that is unique to even the deep south. Uh, another thing that really surprised me when we started digging in on this reporting is, is that. Nationally, African-Americans receive amputations at three times the rate of white patients, three times. okay. and those are studies that take into account the fact that African-Americans are diagnosed with type two diabetes at a higher rate. Now, the rates in the South are even higher. OK, but nationally, we're talking about rates that are, hover around three times the rate of white patients. So something is going on and it's not just in the Deep South.
2: All right. Well, look, we look forward to uh, more reporting. We thank you so much for this uh, really uh, critically important uh, story uh, that took us so long. Adam Kaplan, Gina Smith, thank you so very much with the state dot com. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. For All right, folks, I uh, got to go to a break. When we come back uh, more on Rolling Mark Unfiltered. We'll talk about uh, Vice President Kamala Harris in uh, the issue of resources uh, for black entrepreneurs. We'll talk about that uh, and um, a number of other stories as well. Don't forget, the folks, if you want to support us in what we do, please join our Bring the Funk fan club where every dollar you give goes to support what we do. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of people here. Uh, Pamela wrote us, Congratulations, Black Start Network. I love what you're doing. Keep showing us who we are and what we should be. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, that's a great uh, note right there. Let's see right here. Um, let's see here. Um, thanks for all you're doing and all you accomplished. Uh, I'm happy for you. And also, uh, I'm in the U.S. military. Please keep up the good work. Uh, and uh, so, Greg, I appreciate that, Greg. Uh, and we also thank you for your service. Let's see right here. Uh, now none of these notes are from Scott Bolton, so we're let y'all know that. Uh, Napoleon Keys uh, said, uh, got a support. We appreciate it. Yes, yeah, Scott, i call you out. Uh, Sherman and Henderson said, thanks for what you do. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Wendy said, Roland, I hope this works. Uh, please uh, carry it on. Trust me, Wendy. Uh, every dollar that is given to us uh, is put to good work. Uh, let's see here. Uh, you're doing an excellent job. I don't watch any other news. I get my info from your black own network. Here's a $50 check, of Bring the Fuck Fan Club, Carol lacy carol i certainly appreciate it uh as well thank you so very much i'm gonna read one more before we go to the break uh and let's see yolanda spencer it is my pleasure to support what you're doing keep on doing what you're doing yolanda we certainly are going to do that so folks if you want to support us in what we do uh of course send us a cash cash a check or a money order to PO box 57196 Washington, D.C. 20037. Cash app with Dallas sign RM unfiltered. PayPal is RM unfiltered. Venmo is RM unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingasmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Ben Isom, uh, you get a shout out. You have given us to us during the show. Jacaro Bailey, you get a shout out as well. Let's see here um scrolling down uh looking for uh, other names uh that uh have come in uh to uh, give folks a shout out uh that's how we do it so if you give during the show uh, i'll give you a shout out uh, no delay and of course all names go on the scroll uh on every friday that we show everyone avery whitley uh thank you so very much uh, as well and let's see here i'm gonna read one more let me go. Let's see, let's see, let's see who comes up. So you gotta see, I get emails, y'all, every time someone gives on any of the platforms, so I get a notice. Uh, Paul Lee, thank you so very much as well. Folks, I'll be right back on Roller Mark Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
7: On the next A Balanced Life, as we grind down to the end of another long winter, it's easy to slip out of balance and into the foggy doldrums. On the next A Balanced Life, ways to push through the gray days until the warm days of spring arrive. Join me, Dr. Jackie, on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network.
2: Let's go today Vice President Kamala Harris was at her alma mater Howard University folks uh, and uh, to announce the improvements to a pilot program targeting uh, or tar- targeted towards uh, helping underserved entrepreneurs the Small Business Administration's Community Advantage Pilot Loan Program was launched during the Obama-Biden administration was well, set to expire in September. However, the Biden-Harris administration has extended the program and added a few provisions. The VP highlighted the difficulties many minority entrepreneurs face with starting their businesses.
8: Consider, black entrepreneurs are three times more likely to report that they did not apply for credit for fear of being turned away by a bank. Black and Latino entrepreneurs are rejected at a much higher rate when applying for small business loans from traditional financial institutions, even when they have credit profiles similar to other applicants. People who live in rural areas, including many Native Americans, often lack access to traditional banking services of any kind. And many Asian American business owners, in particular immigrant business owners, face language barriers that limit their opportunity and ability to access capital and banking services. And let us acknowledge that when we think of the importance, the relevance, and the strength of traditional banks, we must also acknowledge that they've not always necessarily seen the vision of small business owners who are women, small business owners of color, rural small business owners and small business owners who serve low-income communities.
2: All right, folks, uh, let's break down what some of these improvements are. Of course, as we said, they're extending the pilot program. They're lifting the four-year lender moratorium, increasing increasing the maximum loan size, also removing various restrictions. It's going to last through September 2024. That's going to provide more certainty for the Community Advantage Program, which was set to end in September of this year. And so uh, that's obviously critically important. The SBA, this will enable the SBA to grow its lender network, opening up a critical capital program to more mission based lenders across the country, increasing the maximum loan size. As I said, the expanded number of lenders will be allowed to access the SBA's seven government guaranteed loan programs and lending levels up to $350,000, which represents an increase over the current $250,000, also removing the restrictions that can keep individuals with criminal backgrounds from accessing the Community Advantage Program. Uh, all this is important. Th- this is the kind of stuff, Robert, that we talk about uh, when we talk about uh, access to capital. It's access to capital, access to capital. And this is how the, this is how or where the federal government can actually make it easier by providing this money to community develop, uh, community development financial institutions,
6: you're, you're absolutely correct I think that this is part of the uh, uh, part of the issue that we need to be addressing one on the issue of education to ensure that small business owners have the proper information to know where to go, where to turn, uh, to have access to these things, and then also putting the financial uh, uh, financial house in order to help small mom and pop businesses grow. Into larger businesses, you know, we all know somebody who's selling fish plates out of the kitchen right now. Well, imagine we could hook those people up, with financial planners, get them the proper loans, get them the uh, the education needed to grow that into a food truck, grow that into a into uh, a standalone restaurant, and then grow that into a franchise. That's how you take a hobby. That's how you take something that you're uh, passionate about and turn it into an industry. And that's how we address those numbers we talked about in the first uh, the first segment today of unemployment. Well, then you become the employer for your community. And you can help rebuild, uh, rebuild the economic base of your neighborhood.
2: And see, that's the thing I'm I'm talking about, um, uh, Monique, when like literally today, uh, as I said, we were in that session uh, with those Democratic United States senators. I said, look, this real simple. If black-owned businesses, if we are actually, if we're getting the access to capital, if we're getting uh, the dollars, then we are in a position to actually hire people. While we, when I, right before I asked the question, um, I sent a text message uh, to Ron Busby with the U.S. Black Chambers, Inc., uh, and make a note, get Ron on the show tomorrow. Um, I, was, um, I sent him a note, and this is, this is what he hit me back, which it actually pissed me off. And, of course, you know, I had no problem raising it in the meeting. Uh, They should know by now. I'm going to talk about the money. And uh, this is uh, what he said. He said that um, across the federal government, across the federal government, black-owned businesses were getting 1.67 percent of the government spend, 1.67 percent. I raised the point, black on average, black on media, we're getting one percent of the federal advertising contracts. And it was really it was really interesting because uh, one of the senators remarked that oh, all the work that had been done in, in the uh, 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 minority business development agency and and, and, and how they, they've been doing a great job of really, getting out there and letting folks know how to access the money. But when I talked to her afterwards, and I ain't going to call out right now, right now, uh, I said, I appreciate your point about the MBDA, but I also want you to be aware that their budget used to be $110 million and their budget got slashed to $44 million dollars. So you telling me how great they're doing when they're now having to do it with more than half of their budget cut does not bode well for your argument about how great and wonderful they are doing.
7: Right. But I guess the thing that I was thinking of when I was hearing all of this, because, you know, we've got um, midterms coming and then it'll be a blink and there'll be a general. And and these are tangibles for all the talk from all the different people, where are the tangibles, where are the tangibles? No, it is not a reparations check, in my opinion, though, I think that is something that should happen. Um, A single check is one thing. An opportunity to do the things that Robert just talked about, where you were growing a business that makes for generational wealth, is a whole entirely different thing. And make no mistake about it, the uh, Republican Party that is supposed to be in favor of businesses, not just big corporations, but supporting small businesses and supporting uh, the middle class through business endeavors. This doesn't happen and did not happen under the prior administration. So I just want people to pay attention. I want people to pay attention to where their help is coming from and to govern themselves
2: and act accordingly. In in fact, Scott, what folks, again, what people don't understand, and this is something that I've been talking about. In fact, very soon, uh, Senator Tim Kaine is gonna be dropping a bill that's dealing with the issue of pension funds and how diverse they are. And I told him, I said, oh, that's not a problem, Senator, because I've been talking about this for a decade. See, that's, see, that, that's, the, thing that, that's the thing that I keep trying uh, to tell folk. This ain't no new conversation for us when it comes to the money. And so I made that clear to them that when you're talking to me, you are not talking to somebody who, who has a very limited understanding when we talk about the money. And so uh, the thing thing that jumps out there is that under the Bush administration, what they did under George uh, W. Bush, what they did was they were bundling contracts so only large firms could actually apply for the contracts. Obama-Biden unbundled the contracts to allow for black and other minority firms to be able to compete for the contracts. Trump came in and bundled the contracts back. And so Biden-Harris is now trying to unbundle the contracts. And so for the people who are watching, the people who are listening, I need them to understand, you can holler reparations all day, you can holler tangibles, you can holler the Black agenda... But here is the piece. You cannot talk about how do we as African-Americans fund our own politicians if you don't have the money to fund them. You cannot talk about how do we take control of our HBCUs and how do we sit here and uh, the, the, if you don't have the money to be able to give. You cannot talk about what our civil rights groups, how they should be fighting for black people and nobody else if we do not have the capital to be able to fund our own institutions. Um, when, I, when, when we gave the, the, uh, the paid uh, internship, North Carolina a t student on Monday, uh, we're going to be giving three more. That doesn't happen if we don't have the resources to actually do it. Scott there is his, uh, Scott needs some more resources to get better Wi-Fi. (laughs) Uh, but, But so, Robert, speak to that point because, again, it's hard for a lot of people to get that, to understand what we're talking about. If you do not confront folk over the money, the existing money being spent, you're wasting your time.
6: Well, well, look, Roland, this is what people have to understand. Your first day of political science class in college during orientation, they tell you politics is the question of who gets what when. And once you get to grad school, they'll say how and why. But on that question of who gets what when, we're talking about a country in the United States of America. Our national GDP is $20.7 trillion. $20 trillion per year is the money going in and out of this country, the gross domestic product. Uh, if you compare it to, let's say, a country like Russia, where we claim their superpower, their GDP is one7 Trillion dollars, so well, they're not even competing with us. So when you're looking at 20 trillion dollars flowing through this country, the question is how exactly does that relate to the African American community, and how do we get our piece of that 20 trillion dollars? One, you have to look at governmental contracting. We talked earlier about the um, the new defense spending uh, budget that Biden put out yesterday, talking about 813 billion dollars in defense spending. Okay, well we got to buy tires for trucks. How many black contractors are going to be making tires for the trucks? We have feed people. How many black contractors or black catering companies are going to be catering events for, uh, for, uh, for the military as part of that budget? Uh, so these are small points, but the point is that we have to figure out everywhere that we can cut into this, because that's how you start addressing those issues of unemployment. That's how you start growing these businesses out. Uh, Every big business you see today started as a small business at some point in time and that initial capital that initial contract Sometimes and what it takes to boost them to that next level So we have to be in those rooms fighting for every penny that we can get Yes, a long-term goal of reparations is great, but we can't ignore uh, We can't ignore the forest or the trees because we have to make sure we're getting what we can now while we're building towards a more macro
2: goal I I gotta do this here and 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 we're gonna talk next about Um, an exhibit at the Reginald Lewis Museum in Baltimore. But I I, I, got to deal with this right now because let me just go ahead and let me take a breath before I go there. Let me just take a pause. I am really sick and tired. Matter of fact, give me this camera right here. Camera seven. I am really sick and tired of some of you keyboard gangsters who all you do is say dumb shit. When Lana Latham says black politicians are failing us, all of them, that's the dumbest damn thing I've ever heard today. It's the dumbest damn thing I've ever heard today. Because it's stupid comments like that when you ain't got no clue what black politicians do. First of all, you said black politicians. That means council members, school board members, county members, state legislators, members of the House, members of the Senate. And the reality is one of the reasons you even see the level of spending right now happening is because of black politicians. And so this whole notion that somehow, oh, my God, they're failing us, and people go, oh, my goodness, the CBC, why why aren't they doing more? You ain't got a clue what the hell they doing right now. Matter of fact, most of y'all, let's just be real clear, a lot of folks, you don't even know who the hell represents you. You've never gone to a school board meeting. You've never gone to a city council meeting. You've never gone to a county meeting. You've never gone to the state legislature. You've never gone to Congress. You've never emailed. You've never called. But you sit your ass at home saying, why they not doing more? I wish they would be doing more. Well, what the hell are you doing? Because I can guarantee you there are other people who are calling, who are writing, who are emailing, and who are sitting here trying to make this whole thing happen. Hell, I'm sitting. First of all, y'all asses can't even hit the like button on YouTube and you're sitting there commenting in the chat. But you want to talk about, oh, why we don't have this and why we don't have that. At some point, some people are going to have to learn that when you have generals in a battle, you got to have some troops in the fight your generals can't always lead plan to plan to have all the actions and do the fighting you got to show up and do something too. then when I talk about Gary Chambers running in Louisiana folk like oh, oh Gary Chambers he'll the Democratic Party oh I, I don't know I don't care about that well guess what Sherry Beasley's running in North Carolina. You got Malcolm Kenyatta running in Pennsylvania. You got Mandela Barnes running in Wisconsin. Charles Booker, who's running in Kentucky. Val Deming's running in Florida. All of them black. So what you doing? Okay, you can't give to their campaign. Can you call somebody? Can you volunteer for a phone bank? Can you put some signs up? What you can do? What you going to do? All you're going to do is sit your ass down on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Snapchat, on Tumblr, and go, I oh, don't know, well, they're not doing anything. No. No, they ain't how we roll. Sometimes you got to get checked when it comes to what's going on. And the fact of the matter is, should we, be, should, we should be pushing to do more. But don't sit here and say somebody failing. When you ain't even said what the hell you've done, I, I, I was I, I was watching um, I was watching um, a movie with Charles Dutton and Omar Epps uh, and Meg Ryan, and it just happened to be on. And Meg Ryan went out and recruited Charles Dutton to train who was a to train he was a famous trainer to train Omar Epps who was raw. And Epps is real cocky, and he, was, he said, no disrespect, but man, what have you done? Who have you trained? What have you won? And then Dutton said, you first. And all Omar Epps' character do is just turn his head away because he had no resume. So, so, so for all y'all saying, what's somebody else doing? I say to you, you first. What have you done? I'm going to break. We come back. We're going to talk about an exhibit at the Reginald Lewis Museum in Baltimore. I'll be back in a moment on the role of Martin Unfiltered in the Black Stud
0: Network.
1: On the next Get Wealthy, meet Dr. Stacy McCoy, whose American dream became a nightmare because of student loan debt. Whether you're paying $300 a month or eventually, I got up to $1,700 a month. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold that that for just a minute. You were paying $1,700 a month on your student loans. Yes. And I know other people who are paying more than that. Learn the one piece of advice that made all of it go away. Right here on Get Wealthy on Black
6: Star Network. My name is Charlie Wilson.
9: Hi, I'm Sally Richardson-Whitfield.
6: And I'm Dodger Whitfield. everybody, this is your man, Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered.
2: All right, folks. uh, Our black and missing uh, for the day uh, is a young brother from Ashland, Wisconsin. Christopher Goopser weighs uh, 5'8", is 145 pounds with brown hair and brown eyes, uh, has been missing uh, from uh, from that particular um, city. Do this here. Call the Taylor County Wisconsin Sheriff's Department. 715-748-2200, 715-748-2200, at 715-748-2200. All right, folks, uh, black men, of course, get subjected to dangerous and potentially deadly situations. We told you various stories about that. Uh, but what about showcasing what black men, the power of black men? Well, there's a new exhibit called Men of Change, Power, Triumph, and the Truth at the Reginald F. Lewis Museum of Maryland African-American History and Culture in Baltimore. Uh, now, first and foremost, if you don't know who Reginald Lewis is, you need to re- know who Reginald Lewis is. Uh, he really was one of the most brilliant uh, businessmen uh, we've ever had, uh, who led the, who was the first African-American lead a nearly $1 billion leverage buyout of the TLC Beatrice Company. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he died way too soon of a, a brain cancer, a brain tumor. Um, and um, certainly a sad story. Uh, I've had the opportunity. Uh, to MC various events for the foundation, uh, his wife Loida and his children as well. Uh, and so they have, So this museum, of course, is named after him uh, there in Baltimore. Joining us now is Tierra Lee Freeman. She, of course, is the executive director of the museum, joining us from Baltimore. And so, so let's talk about this um, this exhibit. Exactly, um, what do you want to achieve? What do you want people to take away uh, from uh, this exhibit?
11: Well, good evening, Roland. What we really want is for people to come to the museum and take in the power of um, this incredible exhibit that changes the narrative that we see on um, most media about Black men. This exhibit lifts up Black men and talks about their contributions throughout um Uh, the many years um, of our nation's, you know, founding, from our nation's founding to where we are now. And what I really like about this exhibit is that, you know, a lot of people are not museum goers, but this exhibit has something for everybody because um, it actually combines, it weaves kind of the historic with the contemporary to talk about how we've gotten to where we are and who these great men are that have contributed to this, like um, Reginald F. Lewis, who, like you said, if you don't know the story, you need to know the story about Reginald F. Lewis. But it covers everyone from Frederick Douglass to Kendrick Lamar, and um, I think that there's something in this exhibit for everyone, but particularly for people to note that uh, Black men are doing great things, always have been doing great things, and will continue to do great things.
2: And uh, the the artists uh, involved, are these all Black artists who contribute to this?
11: They are all Black artists that contributed to this, and they are doing their interpretation of many of the the gentlemen that are portrayed in the actual exhibit. So you've got a photographic exhibit that is complemented by... um, original artwork
2: that is a description of particular individuals in the exhibit. I've got some folks uh, who are online who are asking the question that they say, hey, they live in other cities, they can't get to Baltimore. Uh, what are you doing with this for it to be interactive, anything online? We
11: actually have created a digital twin of this exhibit. Um, which resides on our website, which is lewismuseum.org. If it's not up yet, it will be up really soon, but it is a digital twin, so you can really kind of walk through the exhibit without being in Baltimore. That said, if you're close to Baltimore, I would suggest you just drive to Baltimore and come see um, the exhibition. Here's what's interesting about um, this exhibition. It has traveled around the country, but on the East Coast The full exhibit has never been seen because other museums have not had enough space to show the entire exhibition. We do, however, have the space. So we're the first museum on the East Coast to actually be able to show this entire
2: exhibition. It's an incredible exhibit. Uh, Of course, and I'm seeing uh, some of the photos here, Dick Gregory, W.E.B. Dubois, uh, John H. Johnson. Y'all, y'all can keep scrolling. I I know who these people are. (laughs) Gotta <laughs> keep going uh so i don't need i don't i don't, I don't need to read the captions and know who's in the photos uh let's go with let's go. robert uh, you got a question
6: for uh terry certainly we uh this is an outstanding exhibit uh will there be more th- things like this in the future will there, will this be an ongoing uh, series uh so to say or will this uh exhibit be expanding out in the future
11: you know, it is it is a single exhibit. It was developed by the Smithsonian um, uh, Sites Museum um, Traveling Exhibit Service. And so they have created this exhibit and Ford Motor Company Fund is the um, funder for this particular exhibit. It's interesting, though, that you asked that question because there are so many men that we could all name who are not in this particular exhibit. Um, so we could have a men of change too, and I might encourage um, them to consider that, but no, we don't have a second of this particular um, exhibition.
2: All right, uh, Monique.
7: Yes, I'm wondering if the, the students in the Baltimore area are, be, are being given an opportunity to be able to visit the exhibit um, in a sponsored way.
11: Yes, they can come in um, uh, through schools to see these exhibits. We're also encouraging um, men's groups um, like I happen to know that Roland is a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. Only the g- greatest, the oh. oldest and
2: boldest oh, frat no.
0: of them all. Oh, no. Of
2: course, a Kappa uh Kappa Museum. Yeah, well first of all, uh, it's not a Kappa uh Man's Museum. First of all, uh, Scott, Scott, let's be real clear. Uh, you can talk about it's a Kappa Man's Museum. Uh, Reginald, Reginald Lewis, is brother, sti- one of the
0: greatest that's ever done
2: it. it. Is still... Is still a second-rate fraternity. Terry, keep going uh, with your point. Go ahead. <laughs> uh,
11: so, I would like to get the men of Alpha Phi Alpha, the men of Kappa Alpha Psi, the men of Sigma... Yes, um, of Phi Beta Sigma, the men of Iota Phi Theta, all of them. Omega Psi the To bring young men to the museum to see this exhibit. Amen. Um, I know all of Amen. those fraternities work with young men. We would love to have those, those fraternities come in and, and spend time in the exhibit with young men to teach them about these, many of these men who they don't know who they are, even some of the contemporaries they may not know who they are. So, um, yes, we are making this available. School groups are welcome all the time, and I'll have to tell you, we're just starting to now see school groups come back into the museum because of the COVID situation. All right, Scott, uh,
2: you get your little question. <laughs> just... since, since, since <laughs> got you a fi- big question. Since you, since you finally back, uh, you must got that cricket Wi-Fi over there at the office. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm glad you yeah. finally got it sorted out. Your rental equipment failed,
0: but I'm back now. Uh, yeah, But listen, right. let just congratulate you on a, just a tremendous exhibit. It is so necessary. Unfortunately, if it, 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 you could even expand it and take it around the country, let around the world, from whether it's TV, movies, you name it, there are so many positive images of black men out here who take care of their children, who are educated, uh, and who doing great things in their community as leaders and as leaders of their family. And, uh, I just can't congratulate you and the Smithsonian enough for doing this. And it ought to be a lifetime exhibit, not just one that's temporary and, and uh, for this year. It ought to be a lifetime exhibit. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Um, the, um... So, again, first, when is the museum open, for folks who don't know?
11: The museum is open Thursdays through Mondays. Um, We are open from 10 to 5 on Monday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And on Sunday, we're open from noon to 5. Um, The cost of admission is $12. Um, And then we have discounts depending on seniors, students, um, members. And that fee, you get to see um, this particular exhibit as well as our permanent exhibition, which is a history exhibit about African Americans um, in the state of Maryland. And what they have done to help Maryland get to the point where we are now. Um, so we are open five days a week. We would love to have you come down to the museum um, and spend some time with
2: that exhibit. Well, we know Alphas are going to show up and show out uh, since, yeah, our, since since our international headquarters is right there in Baltimore. Uh, so but what's the name on the museum? I'm sorry. Huh? What's the name on the museum? Yeah, but you, sorry. but but you, but you need patrons. What's the name on the museum? Uh, it is the African-American uh, Museum of... It's, no, no, it's called... It, no, it's the Museum of Maryland African-American History and Culture.
0: Yeah, what's the name on this His name is Reginald, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, look, y'all yeah, okay. got... y'all get one. Yeah, you get one, you got him and me. What are you talking about? You get you one... Him and me. You'll but, never give me my just due on this show. You're gonna do right by me one day, Roland. You're gonna do right by me.
2: Scott, you, 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 do, you do know who the richest black person in America is, right? Yeah. What's yeah. his, what's what you his mean, name? Dead or
0: alive? What's his name? You mean alive? What's his name? Uh well it's two or three of them. No, up no, there. no, it's you one. No.
2: It's one. What's his name?
0: You tell me. His name Robert Smith. Oh, yeah, but he's a he's a he's a Morehouse man, you know. Oh, oh Morehouse oh. Man. <laughs> he's, a... he's also in the exhibit. Right. He's, he actually
2: yep, went, he, he actually went to Cornell. Yeah, that's true, but he, he came to
0: Morehouse.
2: Yeah. And made he speech. gave a speech. Right. The Alpha did. Check it <laughs> out. Doctor, yourself. how many Kappa men are in your exhibit? Do you know about chance? Not paying? that many. Matter of fact, I'm matter of sure fact, matter of fact, dude is here. Sure y'all y- y'all were scrolling Let's names. Go. go back to the website. <laughs> so now see Scott, see Scott. See ha- go. Scott, got a hashtag team whip that ass just showed up. So go ahead and pull <laughs> that back up. Oh, like so sl- slow it down. Let's see right here. We got Bob Moses, Muhammad Ali. Keep going. Yeah. You see LeBron Keep here. Keep going. Keep going, y'all. Keep going. Right there, Robert Smith. Up. Uh, right there. Right there. Now Charles Hamilton Houston. Ain't he one of y'all? Oh, well, he's an Omega. He's a nuke. Okay, he's a nuke. He we got you. Bob I... Rustin, Andrew Young, Alpha. Oh, uh, no, he's James... a nuke too. Uh uh, uh, not, uh, don't try it. James Baldwin. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Oh, Duke Ellington, Alpha. Oh, he. Uh, no, uh, uh. No. Keep going. Keep going. Too busy. Uh, playing, God, me. Of course, uh, Charles Bowden. I know he's an Omega. Alvin Ailey. No, he isn't. A, Alvin Ailey. He's a Texan. Uh, Carl G. Wilson. He's an Omega. No, Alvin Ailey, Dick Gregory, a... Alpha. Keep going. W. B. Dubois, Alpha. Yeah. John H. Johnson, yeah. Alpha. Uh huh. Lord, it was but, only, it was only one that we scrolled. I don't yeah. I, I, I named it's a so long many albums we you could we could the list I named so many albums we could open a chapter but Terry I appreciate <laughs> it uh thank you so very much uh lewismuseum.org, y'all ma'am. go check it out I appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> Scott you ain't gonna
0: never win this son <laughs> Here You go. Yeah. You know, you know what? You should have more Kappas on your show. You discriminate against us every time you turn around. You got another album. No, show. no. But see, they ain't doing see, then. Or not. See, that ain't see right.
2: again, y'all got to do something. <laughs> we don't have folk on okay. the show who don't right. do nothing.
0: Your lawyer. I answer the phone at ten or eleven o'clock at night, and I'm doing something.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah,
0: I, I didn't even get a thank you. That's cool though. No problem. No problem. Really?
2: <laughs> you need Jesus Y'all let me go to a break Cause he lost his mind uh, Folks uh, don't it's forget w- Watch y'all to sit here and download our Black Star Network app uh, And Monique I don't know why Monique y'all, y'all, Let me tell y'all, how, me tell y'all how, uh, how trifling Monique is Let me tell y'all how trifling Monique <laughs> is Uh-oh, How, how Monique How Monique trifling ass gonna give a dollar On cash app oh, Just God. so she can get a shout out yeah, I'll let y'all know. Did Mo- she rip- Oh, I'll let, I'll let y'all know. Monique Trifling ass gave a dollar. A dollar Oh, But that you know, is. that's $1 more than Scott. Uh, so I give a grand every year. What are you Scott, talking about? Scott, oh, we ain't you never- seen your grand this year. Scott, oh, we ain't seen but- it. Scott, you can't. Hey, you can't. Hey, but a, hey, girl, you, you can't a Scott, a Scott you can't claim a 2021 I donation called, so in I 2022.
7: Dollar, so I give
2: monthly. Anyway, anyway, okay. anyway. Okay. Let me let me go ahead and uh. Well, Mar- Mar- yourself, Marcella yourself. Pagan. Yourself. Marcella Pagan gets a shout out. I appreciate uh, your donation during the show. Monique, your dollar. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're uh, welcome uh, Melinda Hardy I appreciate Damon Porter Ben Isom uh, I appreciate it uh, Thank you so very much uh, I'm sitting here looking uh, Again if y'all give doing a show I'm going to give y'all a shout out uh, Even if you give a dollar like Monique Uh, And uh, of course, uh, and I'm I'm gonna call you out if you ain't giving nothing like Scott Bolden. Uh, Don't forget, y'all, cash out, dollar sign is RM unfiltered, PayPal is R Martin unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Y'all can see that check uh, or money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C. 20037. YouTube, y'all gotta come on, man. It's almost 2,000 of y'all on here. Why are we sitting there at 791 likes? Just go ahead and hit a 1,000. I shouldn't have to ask y'all to be sitting here, hit that doggone like button. Facebook, hit that share button as well. Y'all watch on the Black Star Network app. Put your comments up as well. And so we appreciate that. We got to go to a break. We'll be right back.
1: I'm Deborah Owens. On the next Get Wealthy, meet Dr. Stacey McCoy, whose American dream Who's became a guest? nightmare because of student loan debt whether you're paying $300 a month or eventually I got up to $1,700 a month. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold that that for just a minute. You were paying $1,700 a month on your student loan. No, I said I'm going to go, up. Yes, and I know other people who are paying more than that. that. Learn the one piece of advice that made all of it go away right here on Get Wealthy on Black Star Network.
6: We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics, to music. That's right, hit the damn like button. It's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day, right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. I'm Bill Duke. This is Diallo Riddle, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Mm -hmm. Stay woke.
2: Man, y'all lucky when I'm getting cussed out during the break so everybody can hear me uh hot mic. All right. National Football League pledges to increase diversity in leadership positions. <laughs> this bullshit. The NFL created a six-person diversity advisory committee that will be responsible for bringing more minorities into key league roles like coaching and team ownership. In one provision, the league requires all its teams to hire a minority or female offensive assistant coach for the 2022 season. Okay, the uh, announcement comes after former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL claiming racial discrimination. The league's commissioner says the NFL will continue working with civil rights leaders and experts to increase diversity. Okay, I I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and just go, okay, look, I'm straight up down for women getting hired in roles. Brian Flores' lawsuit is a racial discrimination lawsuit. Let me be real clear. Ain't nobody benefited more from affirmative action than white women. Nobody. And so, I'm sorry, this is some bullshit. That's what it is. And the only reason they're doing it is in response to the Brian Flores lawsuit, which y'all are admitting y'all got a problem. Monique, your thoughts on this, uh, this new rule when this year's the 20th anniversary of the Rooney Rule?
7: That's, yeah, you said it. That's that's all I got. I'm <laughs> disgusting. I'm tired of it. Um, it's I it's, I don't I don't even know at this point what to say about the way that people continue to poach our blood, sweat and tears for their own efforts and every time something happens that we fight for it's not just that other people get the benefit which I think is good everyone should get the benefit the issue is that they, they jump line and they're the only ones or the first ones to get the benefit and it's unacceptable
2: I mean th- th- this this again what, what we're dealing with here Robert is a response to the floors lawsuit now first of all they said oh no his lawsuit has no merit so why all of a sudden we change the rules
6: You know, Roland, I find it interesting. Like, why don't they have to put a rule like this in place for running backs? They never have to say you have to have a black running back or you have to have a black wide receiver or you have to have a black cornerback or kick returner because you just go off of their merit. You know that they're the best at the position, so they get the job. So by them putting this rule in place, they are literally admitting to the fact that their institution is so racist to the core then you have to... You, you, they tried the carrot approach, saying, well, if you uh, if you hire black coaches, we'll give you uh, extra draft picks or something like that. They tried the stick approach. Well, if you don't hire black people, we'll fine you, we'll take away draft picks, we'll drop your draft position. That they say, just have a black person around every once in a while, and they are still claiming this is reverse racism on, on conservative news outlets. So, by putting this provision in there, saying a woman or a minority, guess what's going to happen? Bill Belichick can make his daughter-in-law offensive running backs coach or something, and you'll satisfy this new rule. So you're still going to keep the same system of nepotism in there. You're not going to do anything to actually have a merit-based system where African-Americans who make up 80% of the league almost are uh, getting promoted at a proportional rate, and you can keep the good old boys system uh, going the same way they always had. This just shows how entrenched this racism is in the National Football League. And I keep seeing these other leagues pop up. The USFL is back. The XFL is back. What is the NFL going to do when the, B- uh, when the BFL, the Black Football League, pops up that's well-funded by black millionaires and billionaires, that has black coaches, that has black players from around the country, and is able to compete for r- real black talent? Well, then you won't have any product, and then they'll be clamoring for the opportunity uh, to have black folks back in their organization. But this this is a complete—this uh, is a newsletter, a PR stunt. It's only going to be a one-year pilot program, and I doubt we'll hear much of it about it after that. Uh, well, but
0: there's a lot to unpack there, though, Roland. Okay, let, let me unpack that. First of all, you've got to have a black person or a, a white woman uh, be an offensive coordinator. The one reason they're doing that, or at least interviewing for it, is because... No, no, most of the no. No, no.
2: Offensive of that, assistant. That does not mean coordinator.
0: I've I read, I read coordinator, but okay.
2: No, because you because Capers can't read.
0: No, I can read, and I'm intelligent, too. But let me make my point. It says assistant. Whatever the case might be, they're doing this because most of the people who are getting hired are coming from the offensive ranks of teams who are trying to... who who are hired from head coaches. That's the first thing. They included white women to make it more palatable, as we know. And I'll be honest with you, when you've got an antitrust exemption and you can't tell billion-dollar owners... Who to hire you can only tell them that they can't you cannot restrict your hiring as a basis of, of color or race or some protected class what would you have them do like i understand our angst my uh, my angst your angst, our collective angst, right what would you have them do that they're not doing now hire black fix that hire bla- damn black coaches Stop all of okay. st- hold up and make it transparent.
2: Stop sitting here changing the damn rules. because Oh, oh, we want, we want hot offensive minds. Okay. So explain right. to me. So explain, oh no, no, no. No, 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 no. You know. Know. Hold hold hold, to me, hell, explain to me how the hell. Explain to me. Respond. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Explain to me how the hell Eric be enemy, not a head coach. Then what they do is, um, no, so we need you to be able to call the plays. Oh, really? Uh, the new head coach in Minnesota, he didn't call the plays. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Dan Campbell, the head coach in um, Detroit, <laughs> was a tight end coach for the New Orleans Saints. His ass wasn't even offensive coordinator. And then, oh, wait a minute, uh, we, uh, um, uh, we looking for uh, the hot assistants. Uh, who? The Rams didn't the Rams win a Super Bowl? Yeah. Um. Yeah. One, w- one of the reasons the Rams won Super Bowl. Well, because they defense, right?
0: Yeah.
2: What's your point? Rodney Morris, Morris is a defensive coordinator for the Rams. Did he get And he's in... been a head coach. Hold up. No, he's no, no, coach. no. No, wait, 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 wait. He's been a head coach. Adam Gay Saz was a head coach in Miami, failed, and became a head coach with the New York Jets. They recycled these white boys as head coaches. Well,
0: because they white. That's the privilege of being And that's white.
2: why. So you asked the damn question, what are we asking for? I just told you
0: because you can't tell you can't tell an employer that hired this black person you damn right we can't them that and if you don't you're gonna penalize them you damn right tough issue you damn I'm right let them off the hook no I'm saying is it's got to be a plausible way to do this that makes sense yeah if, if, hire them if they don't want to hire black people what are you gonna do throw them out the league that, that'd be a good way to do it or they can't own a team but 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 white people aren't prepared to go all in on the race question because they don't understand it because they've never been black or they've never been discriminated against. And as a result, they can never be passionate or go all in the way you and I can because we felt that sting of racism. We've lived with it culturally and historically. And so unless you're going to throw them out of the league or pay them less money or share more t- less TV money with them about the race question then it's going to always be on the terms of the white owner and the white coaches and the white GMs. you got to take that power away from them and force it, or you've got to try to allow them to figure that out. The problem is they're never going to figure it out if they don't look and sound and feel like us. How do we solve that? I understand what you're saying. Hey, It's more complicated than that.
2: No, 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 it ain't complicated. And this is exactly what I said last week, Monique. No, I'm talking. I don't, don't want to hear that bullshit about interview well. well maybe guess what? Maybe guess what? Jo- guess what? Eric Joe Judge... Really like Joe Judge... Judge, like Judge anytime and, right, Anytime you hear that interview well stuff, that's the kind of crap they make up to keep no, us out of the room. And that's, that's the, that's the
0: and that's the nonsense. Like and that's the nonsense. And hell... What? You done? Monique, Monique, I'm a bullshit.
2: Oh, right. <laughs> all right. Right you are. Sure. Sure you are. Hit down here.
0: No,
7: he, like Monique no, no, like, no. Sure
2: you are cuz here's, here's what I know. At the
7: at I, the point that he said the word articulate, I
2: knew he wasn't serious. <laughs> well, I tell I'll tell you this here. Well, first of all,
0: it's uh, got to have good oral hygiene that too. That's that very
2: important. Well, and, and right well, it's <laughs> well, 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 the reality is is here. What what we're dealing with is uh we're dealing with owners and the only way you do that, you hit them where their money is. And this is what I wanna see. I wanna see that black mayor of Buffalo. I wanna see that black mm-hmm. I wanna see those black city council members in Buffalo. I wanna see black people in Buffalo protest the 850 million dollars in the state of Buffalo state of New York about to give the Buffalo bills to build a new stadium when the exactly. owner of the bills is worth seven billion dollars you want to yeah. know how to go after them you slap some EEOC standards saying you cannot qualify for any local state or uh, uh, local county or state funds if you uh, are not having open and fair EEOC policies that's how you hit them and then all of a sudden let's see what happens and then you or
0: or or you pay them more or less based on their diversity number
2: no you you don't no no hell no first of all i don't believe in taxpayer funded uh stadiums a bunch of rich-ass billionaire owners any damn way build your own damn stadium
0: finance it your own nfl nfl if you want to get diversity on your teams then you either pay them more money or, or Scott, money
2: Scott, based Scott, Scott. That's, a, Scott that? that's an utterly illogical, uh, lo- logical statement. Do you know why? Why? Who owns we the do NFL? All the time. No. Managers who who owns the NFL? Based on their
0: diversity. Who
2: owns them? the NFL? Um, the the owners. Right. The billionaire owners. Roger Goodell is a well-compensated employee. Yes. So, what's your point? He ain't, got, he point? ain't got no power. They own that joint. You hit their pocketbook, that's what you do. I say what you do is uh, various protest groups should be saying to all of the sponsors of the NFL, oh, if you have EEOC requirements in your company, you should not be doing business with any company that does not also match your EEOC requirements. Okay, you want to hit them? Oh, yeah, that's how you hit them. Okay, got one more? You you go after the money.
0: Got one more? There are lots of ways to go after the money. I just told you. There is. I just told you. But are they willing to do that?
2: No, 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 no. It's not when you say they. they, That's the owner. No, 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 no. Scott, it's not the 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 owner's. Scott, it's not the owner's. External pressure has to be applied. And when you impact their pocketbook, then they pay attention. That's what happens. All right, y'all, real quick, before I go to a break, Senator Susan Collins is the first Republican to publicly announce she will be voting to confirm Judge Katanti Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court. Cue music, please. Collins said in a statement, kill the music please. After reviewing Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson's extensive record, watching much of her hearing testimony and meeting with her twice in person, I have concluded that she possesses the experience, qualifications and integrity to serve as an associate justice on the Supreme Court. I will therefore vote to confirm her to this position. The Senate Judiciary Committee is scheduled to vote Monday to refer Jackson's nomination to the full Senate. A final confirmation vote is expected later next week. Jackson will take the place of Retiring Justice Stephen Breyer on the Supreme Court term beginning in October and, of course, would be the first African-American female on the U.S. Supreme Court. When we come back, our Tech Talk segment next on Roller Mark Unfiltered on the Blackstone Network. Now, did you ever want to do a soap opera? I did it before Another
4: World. I did it years ago uh-huh. with uh, Joe Morton, Morgan Freeman. Called Another World. It's the funk now. But that's how I started in TV. You? My first job. You? My very Joe, first TV job. Joe Morton and Morgan Freeman were on a soap opera? Together. Yes. Wow. I know. Oh, I loved it. I played a prostitute. I was real raw. My name was Lillian Mason. I was, I was a hoe on Tuesday, and then I owned a town. Two weeks later, <laughs> that's, that's how they do you. Right, that's how you so. You know, vibrant. you evolve. Right. Yeah. So now I'm on this, but I, I'm rich, right? From Jump Street. <laughs> so I'm loving it.
6: Hey, I'm Deon Cole from Blackest. Hey everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you.
2: All right, folks, every Tuesday we have our Tech Talk segment, The Color of the World Through the Lens of the Black Experience. That's what this black entrepreneur and his wife want you to do when you download their app. Color Noir is a visual ode to black culture through the form of an adult coloring book. The co-founder says despite the increasing popularity of adult coloring books, there remains a considerable void for adult coloring books that encompass visuals representing the black experience. Moyo Akema co-creator of Color Noir, joins me now from New York City. How you doing?
3: What's going on? Uh, pleasure to be here. It's Moyo Okome.
2: Uh Moyo uh, Okome. All right, I got the first part right. First of all, what the hell is an adult coloring book? All right, so I, I learned about it in
3: probably about, I think the trend was like 2017, 2018. Um, it's basically just a coloring book, but people started using them to relax and, and lay back and... Um, I just noticed there was a trend. First, it was in the physical world. Then it moved into the app store. These apps were doing really well, um, but they <laughs> lacked melanin, like like you know, just a lot of industries, a lot of products. So um, yeah, we decided to address that.
2: So so but, but but when did you first? I mean, first were you in? Did you have did you have kids? Were you in the coloring books? And then no. all of a sudden it became adult. Like I, literally, I had, I've never heard of adult coloring books. I I got you. I got you. Yeah.
3: So I I didn't know about it. It's not something I did. Um, The way I came to it was um, I've been involved in mobile apps since around 2011, and I'm always looking at the market, just researching what's new, what's going on. And I noticed these apps just popping up and getting millions of downloads and a lot of engagement, making a lot of money, um, getting really high ratings. So that's when I started to check it out and try to figure out why people were using them and, and what was going on.
2: Wow. Uh, so, so how popular are, are these adult coloring books? Um, not as popular
3: as, as they once were, but, you know, I'd say the, the most popular ones um, are definitely used by millions of people um, each month and um, making millions of dollars.
2: Wow. Now, now when, when you say they were not as popular as they once were, so what period when, our, when adult comic books were the bomb? What What? So, so I, I think they pro- I think they they probably
3: peaked out. Um, man, it, it was definitely a few years ago. It was definitely a few, a few years ago. So, so, so
2: are they physical? So are they are they physical, or are people using the, the the pencils and you know things along those lines on their iPads and their phones?
3: Yeah, there are both. Oh, um, okay. So I, I believe they started as a a physical product, just like a children's coloring book that you would know. Um, And then um, somebody had the bright idea to bring it over to the app world and uh, they kind of blew up over there. So they're still there, people still use them every day. Like the one that we have, there are still thousands of people that use it er every day. Um, But you know, there's always a natural cycle with every kind of product where they they just go up in popularity and maybe taper off over time.
2: All right then, let's see. uh, Questions for our panel. I would say, probably, out of the three of them, Scott probably has coloring books. So, um, (laughs) Robert, I go to you first.
6: All right, this is a a novel idea. and It gets me thinking, are you thinking about expanding this out? Because it seems to be a lot of imagery of, you know, kind of strong and independent, fierce Black women. Are there other types of uh, coloring books that you create? And, you know, uh, uh, have you ever thought about expanding this out into the physical space?
3: Um, Yeah, we we actually did expand it into the physical space. We had a Kickstarter um, around last um, October, November, and so there's a physical version now. Um, You know, Mm. people... uh, We started out aiming at adults, but people use it... I hear grandparents using it with their grandkids, um, their adults using it, their children using it. So, um, yeah, we we definitely did that. And, you know, it's just been... It's a side project and a passion project for me. So um, it, it's not it's, something I'm looking to, I guess, get investment for in scale. But as long as there are lots of people enjoying it, I want to keep on growing it um, and, and, you know, making it successful.
6: And follow up question. Have you ever thought about partnering with? I know this is going to sound funny. Have you ever thought about partnering with uh, uh, marijuana distributors or edible con- distributors to make this kind of a, a package deal? Because I could see somebody wanting to color after, you know, kind of partnering with other industries. So We're talking <laughs> about making a package. I, I I can't say
3: I had that idea. You got my wheels turning. <laughs> Maybe I need to have a conversation with you.
2: So we got what we got. We got sipping paint parties and what you want to have. <laughs> Puffing color parties.
6: Oh boy! Yeah. Look, I, I, I'm not saying I partake, time. but I'm just saying let it. would will be fun to color.
2: No, nah, I I think Robert wants to have. Target practice in coloring sessions. Yeah, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, Monique, go ahead.
7: No, I just, I, I think it's wonderful. My daughter is, is an artist and one of the things that she constantly complains about is all of the different um, sets of, of pencils and even the um, oils that she has to order in order to be able to reflect the beautiful hues um, for black folks' skin and she has much better time of it doing it um, in the apps because there's so many beautiful colors at your disposal, so I can't mm-hmm. wait to tell her about this.
2: Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. I guess we'll go to Scott.
0: <laughs> All right, so let me ask this question. So do the, Do the coloring books have storylines, and if they do, how adult and mature do the storylines get vis-a-vis love and romance and having families and marriage and culture and uh, black a- lives matter, oh, things God. of that that are fairly sophisticated.
3: Uh yeah, so ours I'm not sure if there are others on the market that do have storylines. Ours doesn't, it is strictly um we just update the content every couple of weeks, add new images, and then people color them, they post them online and, and that that's about it. Um mm. I'm okay. I'm not sure about <laughs> yeah. uh, the We don't have that.
0: No, they. You obviously being able to color different shades of black women and black men and, and their wardrobe, how much time do you put into the design part and, and, and really what your messaging is since there are no storylines? Yeah, yeah. So um,
3: at, at this point, so um, I don't do the, I don't work on the design myself. There are artists on my team who help with that. Um, so the art uh-huh. comes in, in a couple of ways. So one is that um, there's, a, there's an artist in, in Ghana who did this cover image that you see here, and uh-huh. we licensed that from him, and then artists on my team turned that into line art, and we, we uploaded it. Um, then there other, they are black artists, we see their work maybe on Instagram, maybe on um, uh-huh. whatever platform, and we ask for their permission if, if they'd like to appear in the app to you know perhaps pick up some more interest in their art. Um, so that's another way that, that, um, the content and art comes through. Um, and then in terms of the, the, the design for the actual app, yeah, that's something that we're always working to improve on. Um, I have a developer on my team who, you know, we, we definitely put time into it and just iterate on it every month to try to make it a little better. Just look at what people are saying in the comments, where the frustrations are, what people like, and just improve
0: it that way. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Uh, if you're looking for partners in the future, let me know.
2: Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, because he does lots of coloring, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure he may—I'm sure he may want uh, Gala to do a, a cap of coloring book. Uh, I, think, so, uh, I think
0: he's gonna make some money out if he wants
2: to. Nah, that'll be a money losing—that'll I- be a money losing book right there. All right, uh, Moyo, <laughs> tell folks where they can uh, get more information on um, uh, your app, Color Noir, uh, the website, all kind of information.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the best place to go is appmagic.co slash color noir, and you can get the, the app. Um, that's on iOS or Google Play, the physical version I showed you, or we have a free printable, printable version as well. Um, so all of them are available at that link. And then w- w- we're on all the social platforms that you would expect. So,
2: um, yeah. All right. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. All right, good luck with it. All right, y'all, uh, real quick, I, I just, story just came across, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to start cussing. So uh, now the Academy released a statement stating that Will Smith was asked to leave the Oscars on Sunday and he refused. Go ahead and scroll up. So uh, now, of course, they're looking, investigating him, looking at various things. And and so the Board of Governors today initiated disciplinary proceedings against Mr. Smith for violations of the academy, standards of conduct, including inappropriate physical contact, abusive, blah, 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 blah. Uh, He's going to get 15 days notice of a vote as well as opportunity to be heard in the written response. Uh, It says, quote, Mr. Smith was asked to leave the ceremony and refused. We also recognize we could have handled this situation differently. They've reached out to Will Smith for comment and have not heard back. Okay, so let me just go ahead and say this. Um, Monique, this is some bullshit. What What's today? What's today?
7: What is today?
2: Wednesday. Wednesday. Today, Wednesday. When was the Oscars? Sunday. Sunday. So you try and tell me Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, nobody said we asked him to leave and he refused. They actually think Are we about to buy, it took y'all 48 damn hours to come up with this. So what? They were shocked and traumatized by what happened if they could not tell the media what happened, I'm not buying this damn story. I'm not buying it at all. You, you being told, tell- so all of Monday, Monday just go by, all of Tuesday, and all of a sudden on Wednesday, oh yeah, we asked him to leave on Sunday, but he refused. Y'all
7: buying it? I don't know, somebody might have. I, I I don't well, I mean they didn't have it was poor crisis management it was poor um, rapid response they they had not had any plan or contingency for this so I can't say what did or did not occur <clears throat> and to me it's just it's ancillary
2: it really is it's not the point this ain't nothing but, Scott Scott, Scott this ain't nothing but called cover your ass
0: CYA. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, you're right about that. What I My commentary on this on social media has been it was just a, 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 a huge screw-up by both sides. Uh, this is a little late, too, by the way, this kind of storyline they're putting out, because whether you're prepared for an assault or not, Will Smith committed a crime on national TV. He assaulted and committed a battery, and it doesn't matter whether you got a contingency plan or not. He not only should have been asked to leave, he should have been escorted. The police should have left. There's no other forum in, in the world or in America where that would have occurred in any forum, and he would not have to leave the building and be forced to leave the building with security or the police. There's just hands down. Figure out what to do with the award later so somebody can accept it. Maybe you take the award. You have to be prepared for that. And that just did not occur. Now, when that didn't occur... You mean, it's a all four sporting ...then you're endorsing that violence, whether you like it or not, you just are. And so this was a failure across the board. It's unfortunate that it happened. Don't get me wrong. I certainly don't endorse it. But then the Academy has to take some responsibility. And now, what are they gonna do? Take the award? Barring from suspending from the academy. Hell no! Uh, it's let, underwhelming. Let's let's be. You, you, I don't really
7: you, care. What you what mean, mean except for sporting events, right, Scott? Because every kind oh, no, of fight you a in a sporting, sporting event, sure. they don't. The
0: person doesn't get yes, arrested. Yes, you do. No, you don't. You don't. Get you mean arrested. if it's the player, no, you don't. the professional player? Yes. Obviously. Oh you yes. get thrown out of the game you if I don't care what game it is you sometimes get thrown out of the
7: game sometimes you get ejected but sometimes you got to go sometimes? Into whether it's the dugout or whether Name it's me a professional the room. But sport but law enforcement that you don't does get not thrown right out of a and game and
0: you. If, you, if you assault someone if you walk Hockey. on the court or the field and physically punch somebody cuz you don't like got what it. they said and you don't got get suspended it. or ejected uh, Robert... You're
7: in the Twilight Zone right now. Yeah,
0: for, yeah, the he
2: is. Yeah, he is. Robert, go ahead. I am? Yes, Name another forum Scott.
6: where you Scott, 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 Scott. you get Scott. to stay and Scott. Up an award. Scott. Scott. Scott, it's called hockey. It's called hockey. hockey. Robert, go ahead. You get, you get fighting I, I Look, Roland. I I think my biggest issue with this is the normalization of uh, of violence when it comes to black men. Because if that was Amy Schumer telling that joke and Will Smith got there and slapped him upside the head, they would have took him out of there in shackles, and we all know that. And and well, this is the, the issue West West that West West West. I have. with Scott, so, well,
2: Scott, Scott, he's
6: talking. Go.
2: I'm agreeing with and, you. And, well, well and, agree and, silently. Just nod your head.
6: And so, to this point, I, I do think the Academy, what they really were doing was they took Monday to look at what public opinion was. They went to see what the media coverage was about around it. And then, when it started turning against Will Smith, that's when they decide to come out and say, look, we tried to get him to leave, and he wouldn't. I-, I think that they were definitely, they never had a contingency plan because this really hasn't happened since John Wayne tried to slap a Native American woman at the Academy Awards back in the day. So, the, all across the board, this was a hot ghetto mess. The only person that we saw really comport themselves as an adult was Chris Rock, because Chris Rock could have very easily escalated this to a whole nother level and turned this thing into WrestleMania. So, I, I think across the board, the Academy's going to have to put some contingencies in place going forward. But I do think Will Smith. Will probably be banned uh, for life from the Academy no, Awards, no, which I think T. is Smith which I think is just part of it. Like
2: an adult. Okay, ho- oh, no. Per- no, no, hold up. <laughs> I'm, what
7: are you letting her talk over? Well, no, well first Jada of all, I, right, first T. of all, he Smith finished. Reported herself as an adult with dignity and with grace. It is certainly not true that Chris Rock was the only one who comported himself as an adult. And part of being an adult is to not render verbal abuse for jokes from white folks. So I'm not condoning, and I don't even wanna talk about assault. I'm sick of it, 15 seconds, it's done. But let's not do this thing where it's poor Chris Rock and damn Will Smith, and it don't even matter that Jada was the original person who was wounded and insulted. Let's just figure out what the Academy okay, is Okay, gonna do. For, They're okay, not going to do a okay. damn thing.
2: Okay, first They're off, not
7: going to do a thing.
2: Well, first of all, I believe, Robert, is absolutely correct in terms of he, Chris Rock could have responded. How he, how he responded was absolutely... Was he was stunned. I'm not, I'm not done. He turned the other cheek... And what, yes, he was indeed stunned. And what he did was gathered himself, went back to presenting the award for Best Documentary, and then gave Questlove and his team their moment, presented them the Oscars, uh, and yes, was indeed shocked and stunned by it. And so it could have escalated. He chose to de-escalate. But the issue, the, the issue that still stands is this here. We don't know what the Academy is going to do, but let me just say this here. Will Smith ain't losing his Oscar. Because if you want to take Will Smith Oscar, how in the hell would you give Roman Polanski an Oscar in absentia after he acknowledged raping a woman and fleeing the country? A child. uh, And and fleeing the country. A child. Uh, Yes, yes, fleeing the country. country. Uh, Are you going to take any of Harvey Weinstein's Oscars? I mean, if we want to go down that path, the Academy, we can go down that path, because you know what? If you want to go no, there, let's, all, let's snatch whatever the hell John Wayne got for being a violent racist son of a bitch. No, nah, I don't think yet they want to go there. No, nah, I don't think you want to go there. Because, see, you go there, then you really open a can of worms. So, yeah, I think there'll be some action taken. I wouldn't be surprised if it's at least a, a year suspension. Uh, from the Academy or something along those lines. I doubt very seriously. It's going to be a lifetime ban uh, But again, I think this is still CYA I think it's a CYA that you came out on Wednesday saying oh uh, We asked him to leave. No, nah, I ain't buying it. All right, y'all. Uh, that's it for us uh, Last one uh, shout out to my niece uh, Anna bird uh, Anastasia today's her birthday. How old is your sister? She's 22 uh, She wasn't 22 in that photo uh, she was like about four years old in that photo, uh, and so uh, I wasn't gonna. Uh, <laughs> her sister was like, "Show a recent one." Nope, I'm gonna show that one. So uh, what? I can. That's what I do. So as we were visiting Rainbow Push uh, in Chi- in Chicago, uh, and so uh, Annabird, 22 today. So bird, happy birthday, uh, and I'll uh, see you soon. Uh, uh, um, Monique, Robert, Kappa we appreciate it. Thanks so very much. Uh, y'all uh, definitely go visit the Reg- Reginald Lewis Museum, uh, trust me, Alva's going to turn it out. Uh, let's see if Scott brings any of his cappas uh, out. Hey y'all, please uh, download the Black Star Network app, all the platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV, also of course you can support us, Bring the Funk Fan Club, every dollar you give goes to support this show, and please do so, uh, of course you can mail your money order. P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C. 20037. Cash App is dollar sign RM unfiltered. PayPal's is Martin unfiltered. Venmo is R.M. unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingasmartin.com, Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. That's it for us, folks. I'm going to see y'all tomorrow. Ha!